Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club, and welcome our author, the strong and powerful Ashley Willens. Ashley, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Ashley is an assistant professor at Harvard Business School. She's focused on understanding how the daily and long-term decisions that people make around time and money impact well-being. And she's the author of the forthcoming book, Time Smart, How to Reclaim Your Time and Live a Happier Life. I'm excited to have you back on the show, Ashley. Uh, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motivated you to write the book. Yeah. Um, so I've been studying time, money, and happiness for a really long time. And I often used to make the joke to my colleagues and friends, do what I say, do what my research says, but don't <laughs> do what I do. Like, don't don't live the same life that I do, but try to live more in line with like how I spend my days busily working on research and working too much. Like don't do the things I do to get to my research findings, <laughs> like live my research findings. Um, and then, you know, I went through a separation, a divorce around the first year that I was a faculty member. Um, and this, you know, I had a few personal things go on my, you know, around the time I was getting divorced, like my best friend had her first kid and I couldn't be there because I was in the middle of teaching semester. And then I, um, uh, one of my cousins passed away and it really was striking. I would be giving an academic talk about the importance of giving up money to have more free time so you can spend quality time with people you care about. And at the same time, I was personally miserable. Right. I, it, it really just struck me how hard it is to kind of put this science into practice in our everyday lives. Like if I some if I'm someone who devotes their entire life to doing this, uh, to studying these topics, and I'm getting it wrong, <laughs> what's going on here? So that was sort of you know out of all this kind of frustration that I was having such a hard time navigating trade off between time and money and like spending my time in a way that was consistent with what I valued, which was friends and family and being a good partner, that I became inspired to write this book that uses this science of time and money and tries to help people apply the principles in their everyday lives. Got it. Well, I, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that with us. I think that we can all certainly empathize and uh, and 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 identify. So, all right. Um, and if you, how, how long did it take you to write? So I'm a bit of a uh, what my advisor and my book editor call me call like a binge writer. Um, so I have had these ideas kicking around for a long time. I did my PhD on this topic of time, time and money trade offs. 
Um, so I've been thinking about this topic for like three, four, five years. Um, so once I had the outline down, it only took me from the day I signed my book contract um, to the day I turned in my final manuscript about a year. But I did most of that writing over a 12 week period of time where I would just me and my partner. So I'm trying to walk the talk here. I have a new partner. He's wonderful. Nice. Um, uh, and spend lots more time than I used to hanging out, uh, together with him, which, uh, hopefully will keep things going on the right track, but we would just go to the Boston public library. He was studying for his final board. He's a physician. So he would study for his board exam and I would write and we would just have these little library dates. So I did most of the writing over a, yeah, three month period of time over the summer at the Boston public library with my partner. That's awesome. All right. I appreciate that. So somebody picks up the book, they mm -hmm. read it, what do you hope that they get out of it? I hope that they get tangible strategies for becoming more time affluent in their lives. It's So I kind of uh, talk about how prioritizing time over money and time being kind of loosely family, friends, and money being productivity and work is like obvious, right? We all know we should kind of like prioritize our friends and family, duh, right? It's sure. sort of like healthy eating and being physically <laughs> active. We all know we should probably, if we're going to decide what we're going to have for dinner, we should probably eat the salad or the fish and not the burger. But obesity is a huge epidemic and it's actually really hard to be as physically active as we want to be. And so I kind of make an analogy that's similar in the book, just because we know something is true, like we know exercise is good for us, we also know that time is our most valuable resource, but we often fail to act on our knowledge. And the book really outlines, gives it has toolkits and, and sets of strategies for how we can make small decisions around the margins of our lives to have more and better quality leisure time. Um, because just like we kind of can't get fit overnight, right? Yeah. We also can't become time affluent overnight. And really what the difference is for a time affluent person who feels in control of their time, like they have enough time uh, to be productive at work and also to spend time with on, meaning, on things that bring them meaning and joy. The main difference is that time affluent people make small decisions each and every day that allow them to, if they can't have more free time, to enjoy the time that they have more. Um, it's just like, you know, healthy people build in a little bit more physical activity. So it's really about finding these small moments where life presents us with the choice of either getting stuck in traffic every day for an hour or only getting stuck in traffic every day for half an hour, like deciding where you're going to live and trying to think about making the time affluent choice when you can. And so the book really outlines a series of strategies to start making slightly more time-focused decisions um, in a way that makes sense to us, to turn off our cell phones when we're trying to enjoy a nice meal with our family, things that we know we should do but often have a hard time doing. Um, so the book is about both formulating your intention and then acting on it and developing a set of tools that we can use to navigate each day of our lives and then also major decisions over the course of our lives so that we can have more time and ultimately greater happiness. Well, all that sounds great. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. So it's uh, one of the questions I like to ask is what, what, what habits are you hoping to break? And it sounds like uh, 
it's it's big ones, but then also really small ones. Yeah. So I have this like so a really concrete example is one of the exercises I talk in the book um, about is like just breaking small habits around wasting time by asking about why you're doing it. So we call this like the small why exercise. And it's if you're scrolling on your phone, just check in with yourself. Like, why are you doing this? Is there something else that you could be doing? Um, And what you kind of notice is that you do it when you feel anxious. Maybe you do it when you have like a weird five minute gap in between meetings or something. And that sometimes it brings you joy but sometimes it's mindless. And so even just bringing awareness to these small ways that you waste time each and every day and not being too judgmental, but just simply asking yourself, well, why am I kind of scrolling on Instagram for 15 minutes? Is there something I could substitute that activity with that might bring me greater happiness, like texting a friend I haven't talked to in a while? I'm just starting to bring awareness around these small decisions that we make um, is one really concrete strategy. Um, that can help you form a habit around being more intentional with the way that you spend your time. Um, and then for these more major life decisions, uh, we have a, a kind of partner exercise. We have the small why exercise and then the big why exercise. So really thinking about what you want in life and what matters to you and putting a physical reminder in your office or in your house um, on that reminds you of why time is so precious and valuable um, as a kind of, you know, way to remind yourself of trying to make major life decisions that are consistent with your values and things you care about. So after my cousin died, I actually got, um, I have a tattoo on my wrist with their initials on it and an olive branch. And this is where this idea of this exercise came out of is that I put it there to remind myself to serve as a constant reminder. I can see it. It's on my wrist. So I'm typing. I look up. I see it of making sure not only that I make minor life decisions in a in a way that's consistent with my values, but also that I'm kind of like fundamentally living my life in a way that I would be proud of it if it all ended tomorrow. Um, and so that's another kind of way in the book that we talk about, you know, what are environmental cues? What are things that you can do to remind yourself not only to make decisions that are more, uh, intentional on a daily basis, but also more major life decisions, even if it feels hard in the moment, giving up some money feels like a loss. Um, but it might pay off dividends for happiness and productivity in the future. So what are things that you, what are reminders you can put in your environment to help you act on your best intentions uh, when navigating kind of seemingly mundane decisions and also major ones? Yeah, I think that that's excellent. And, and we do need to consistently remind ourselves, right? It's like, why is it again that I'm waking up at five in the morning or six in the morning and going to the gym each day? Oh yeah. It's, I want to be healthy so I can play with my kids or my grandkids. Why is it that I'm making these tough decisions or seemingly tough decisions of reading 10 pages instead of looking at Facebook? Oh, yeah, it's because I'm interested in becoming a better person. So you do need to remind yourself. Exactly. And then and then write down intentions to follow through on these actions. So we do have a lot of implementation intention exercises where, you know, a reminder isn't enough. You also have to make sure you actually commit to changing your behavior. So we kind of go through a series of exercises to help us not only notice how we spend our time, but commit to spending our time differently in part by 
kind of changing the architecture around our decisions each day. Um, so one really, you know, that's where major life decisions, I think, play a major role in time affluence because we're changing the context of our lives. If we live walking distance to work, then we don't have to make decisions around commuting because we're already giving ourselves kind of an hour or, or more of extra time each day. Yeah, which is a massive deal. So mm-hmm. I, I wrote down as you're talking that that these are like l- l- these, these are not, well, I suppose that they're both skills and they are habits and that mm-hmm. you can't just read the book and then be done with it, right? It's something you do need, do need to be intentional about practicing and you'll get better at it. Yeah, that's exactly what we talk about too. Um, again, kind of the exercise analogy is really useful, right? It's not something you can just read the book and be done with it, but it's like a daily practice that you have to instigate. And it's not just as simple as doing the same things at the same time, week over week. We also talk about and draw on research showing that obviously variety is a spice of life. <laughs> you can't just, you know, even if you're scheduling things that make people feel time affluent and happy, like nature walk at 7 a.m. or, you know, followed by a nice leisurely breakfast with family before walking to work. If you do the same thing day in and day out, even if it's time affluent and happiness producing activities, you're going to get bored of it. So it's also about kind of, there's some flexibility and open-mindedness you need to take to these activities. So, you know, it's about cultivating this general awareness about the importance of time, this general orientation to prioritize time and social connection over always prioritizing work and money, which is most people's default mindset, and then being open to the way that you actually embody that in the context of your life week over week. Got it. So I know very little about the world of academia, um, but I can only imagine the amount of research that you've done over the course of your life and your career and getting your PhD in time and money. Um, it's, it's, It's amazing. So you have this passion and this enormous body of work and information. And then you're like, I'm going to write a book. What, what did you really want to avoid doing? Um, so <laughs> I, I have to laugh when you said like, w- like I'm, I am such a time and <laughs> happiness nerd. Like my book editor was like, you just broke like the record for the longest footnotes <laughs> ever. And then he was like, but you can't do that. So <laughs> like, otherwise it will like double your, you know, the content of your book by like, a quarter and we can't sell it then. So can you just have a link to your webpage where you have this like really nice annotated version that people can click if they're interested and like mm. probably no one will click it. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, Cause <laughs> I think my footnotes were as long as my book by the end of it. Um, so that that's actually pretty representative of what I, I was really trying not to do. Um, it's a book on time affluence, like having and feeling in control of one's time. <laughs> like, let's not write a 650 page book. I could have written a 650 oh, page sure. book indicated by the footnote example. Um, but I was encouraged strongly to make it accessible, have anecdotes, which is something as an academic, I'm like, oh no, I have to talk about individual people, not like people on average. Like, uh, <laughs> my brain kind of melted for a while. Um, but that was part of why I was also really, um, really excited about writing a book is I wanted to stretch myself to, you know, 
go beyond the data a little bit, which as an academic feels so wrong and talk about people and talk about my struggles and talk about my mom's struggles and, you know, this person in grad school that I knew a lot. Some of those stories are personal and it's masked a little bit, but to actually have, you know, the book is almost like a time capsule of the things that you're thinking about and the people who come into your life and the stories that you're told and that you conversations that you've engaged with with various people and that's part of the wonder of and the amazing part the creative part about writing a book unlike an academic article which is also its own process and journey but it's not as kind of it's not so much of a time capsule in the way that a book is where you really get to kind of talk about your feelings and share the stories of people that have inspired you Um, and so what I did want to do is kind of illuminate examples and talk about personal stuff, which isn't something I usually get to do as an academic while, while having a solid foundation of science, but not being too academic. Like you can go and read my really long dissertation if you, if you want all those super nerdy stuff. So I try really hard to kind of balance academic rigor with, you know, uh, this personal narrative, personal journey, trying to like trying to make the book accessible so that we can actually use it to change the way that we think about and prioritize time as opposed to kind of it being an abstract exercise on the value of time. I really want people to take the insight from the book and put it into practice in their own lives. Oh, I I love that. I think that that talking about a book like a time capsule is 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 brilliant and perfect. Um because I, I imagine that there's certain things that even since writing it a short time ago that your perspective and, and some of your experiences have probably changed. But this was how you viewed things and how you viewed your research at the time that you wrote the book. So that's, yeah, uh, that's really exactly. interesting. So, so I actually like wrote an FAQ kind of like toward the, you know, I, I, we've been editing, the book goes through multiple iterations. So you like submit a first manuscript and then you get edits back. And so it's, it is this kind of evolving process. So it doesn't just kind of happen at one point in time, but you're kind of updating it. I literally just sent off the final, final, final version yesterday or something. Um, So there is this opportunity to kind of keep adding little things like as you kind of update your knowledge or you get this other cool experience or you've talked to someone else, you're kind of adding and adding a little bit as you go. But you're right. Some of my perspective and my thoughts around these topics changed kind of in the last, you know, I've spent the last year writing it. So over the last few months or something since I've been kind of really heavily editing. So I have an FAQ page that's sort of like, and these are some other things that people (laughs) ask me, (laughs) like almost like kind of an aside. And uh, because I was like, well, you know, I got this great question last week in the seminar and I really feel like I need to put it in the book somewhere, you know, the book goes under peer review and people are like, but what about gender? Like, what about policy stuff? What about, Mm. Uh, and so I, you know, it's addressed like some of my most recent thinking or is addressed in places in the book. Um, and the last chapter is really kind of more about policy, more about organizations. And that's where I'm doing a lot of thinking now is, you know, not just leaving it up to the individual to live a happier and more time affluent life, but how can we create time affluence and happiness by design by building better cities and having more flexible work policies no, I love it. So 2020 is the year of Time Smart, and 2022 will be Time Smarter, perhaps. 
<laughs> I think something like that, but two years is pretty ambitious. I don't think I'll have it figured Fair out. Fair enough. By- 2023 20, it is. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. Well, I, I, I love it. I think, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, yeah, I'm super excited. Just the the idea of, of every aspect of the book, I think, is, is super exciting and and how technology and our lives continue to evolve. Um, yeah, so ex- that's actually yeah. where some of our research is going now. So I'm working on an article, and this is like Time Smart 2.0, if you will, about how autonomous products are going to help us live a more autonomous and happier life. Um, and we have a whole series of findings that we're, we're pulling together into a long-form HBR article right now around kind of the role of technology in both freeing our time, but potentially continuing to ruin it. So how can autonomous products like sure. our, like our cell phones right now, um, but how do autonomous products, how are they going to play a role in how societies broadly spend their time in the future? Nice. I, I love it. Perfect. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming back on. Tell us where, um, where we can learn more about you and where we can get a copy of the book. Yeah, so um, if you go to my website, uh, awillens, W-H-I-L-L-A-N-S uh, dot com, you can find out more about me and also pre-order my book through Amazon. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Ashley your appreciation and share Time Smart, how to reclaim your time and live a happier life with somebody else who also appreciates good ideas or somebody that could really use better time management. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you again, Ashley. Yeah, thank you so much. Have and a good one. Until next time, keep fighting the good <laughs> fight because we are all in this together. <laughs>